all you hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 16, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. I want to begin the show by saying, hey, uh, Microsoft, can you do me a gigantic favor and when you're doing your Windows updates from here on and here forth, uh, that you not reset the microphone settings? <laughs> because I uh, I was talking for about 15 minutes before I looked over at my recording software and I saw the little needle over by my microphone not moving, not moving whatsoever. And sure enough, I forgot, oh man, I did a Windows update. Uh, the other night, and I am sure that it probably reset my microphone settings again, and wouldn't you know it, it reset my microphone settings again, so yeah, <laughs> Auto audio troubleshooting and audio technical difficulties are some of the most mind-boggling and frustrating things that can ever happen to you in any form of content creation, whether that be as a video game streamer, as a, as a broadcaster, an announcer, just technical difficulties suck, it really sucks. I hope you guys are having a really good week, a uh, little bit of an off show or an off week for the show this week. Normally we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, but this week it looks like we're doing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then we'll hop back on the horse the correct way uh, next week. But kind of kind of interesting that we had audio difficulties before the show today because I actually wanted to start off the show today talking about the first month of the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. Uh, it is February 11th today. Which means that it is exactly one month since I started this podcast, one month of creating content and creating content at a pretty steady manner. Sure, we've missed some days, and as I just said, hey, sometimes we're gonna get off, we're gonna get a little bit misarranged on the horse a little bit. We're gonna be going on some off days as a as opposed to regular scheduled days, and I kind of just wanted to start off the show. Even though I know that commercial, like commercially with YouTube, and this is probably going to go on YouTube, that it's not going to do well. It's not any sports news. It's more of a more of a personal antidote about the show. But uh, I just wanted to briefly talk about you know what I've learned and what I've experienced in the first month of doing a show by myself, as opposed to what I was doing previously when I hosted a radio show uh, in college. Uh, what I was doing previously then and how that compares to now and how things are different. I think I think the number one thing that is the most, I, I guess, I guess let's let's put it this way. I have such a renewed appreciation for the people that I work with or worked with, and I have such a renewed appreciation for how much goes into running a successful show with more than one person as opposed to just going in and setting up everything yourself. You know, how much work it is for me to not only set up my lights, but set up my camera in the exact same spot every single time without fail, uh, get the right lighting, uh, decide what lighting I want to use for the LEDs this morning, making sure that it makes me not look like a total tired sack of crap some days. Um, and then, of course, it goes into video producing, audio producing. I, I totally totally missed the days when I had my own audio mixer, my own producer for the show. Um, it's funny enough, my the audio producer actually turned out to be my roommate. Um, <laughs> but uh, still, regardless of the fact that you have an audio producer to go through the, the video files and the show files and organize everything for you, uh, make sure that everything is working as, in, as it is intended during the show so you don't have or you have minimal audio and video technical difficulties. There's such a renewed appreciation for that. And also the people that you just work with, you know, having having multiple people 
to work with you on the show as opposed to just talking to yourself. It's a bit of an unnerving experience. It's really awkward to kind of sit here and talk to yourself as opposed to, um, you know, having a co-host for the show uh, and, and having a couple of guest speakers on the sports show. There, There is a great uh, duality and a dichotomy to having multiple people on the show. There creates a natural conversation, a balance, where as by yourself, you're kind of just, fun just funneling the conversation yourself, and it's a little bit different. And I didn't expect it to be that different. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you can imagine the audience in your underwear. Well, I'm imagining that I have somebody to talk to here, and then I'm talking to all of you, but it's it's a little different. It's uh, definitely not what I thought it was going to be. Um and I think one of the major things that I also learned is that when it comes to the actual content of the show, balance is key. You don't want to try and hyper-focus on one thing. And especially with the Front Office Frenzy series that we just started, I think that really is the culmination of that idea is that balance is key. And because when you're making an episode like that and you're making a series like that, and as I said in the last episode, one of the really cool things about the segment is you get to see all these fans come in and tell you when you're wrong and tell you when you're right and fund and, and, and uh, create a dynamic conversation about that specific topic. And that's really cool. So if you're hyper-focusing on one thing, you're not going to be able to get that interaction with other aspects of other teams of other sports. And also, balancing the positive and the negative. Not everybody wants to be negative all the time, and not everybody wants to be positive all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to talk about uncomfortable things. Uh, it's kind of funny. One of the most uncomfortable videos that I ever had to do, or that I ever did while while recording the podcast, was the Chad Wheeler situation, which we're actually going to do a little bit of a follow-up today with the Chad Wheeler situation. But that was an uncomfortable video, and as I said during the video, I woke up extremely upset about what happened, and I felt like I had a voice to come on here, even though uh, the channel was just starting. I felt like I had a voice to come on the show and say what I felt needed to be said, especially with how uh, my different my perspective was on the situation, and that video did really well for a channel of the size. And, you know, it, it's funny that not everything that you expect to do really well will do really well. And I'm, and I'm talking strictly about YouTube at this point. And, you know, it, it, it's funny how, you know, sometimes the positive videos that you think are going to do really good don't do as bad as the negative videos or don't do as well as the negative videos. And, you know, really, you, you don't want to be too overly positive, but also you don't want to be too overly negative. If you're talking about negativity for about 30 minutes of your show, you and then maybe you go into a positive, you know, I think the, 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 the tone in which you leave the show is everything. So if you're talking about super negative content for 30 minutes and then you just end the show, it seems like, well, wow, that show actually was like a little bit of a downer. And, you know, I think when you have a show like this, sports are supposed to be fun. Sports are to be something that is is enjoyed by most people and is 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 criticized by a few people, but it's also something that people are, are, are very passionate about. And you want to have a very uplifting tone. You want to have a very exciting show because sports are something that a lot of us, a lot of us love and it's a, a gigantic part of our lives. So um, you, you really want to try and echo that same energy. And uh, that's something that I've tried to do on the show. I think I've done really well so far, but sometimes you have to talk about some really negative topics that you don't necessarily want to talk about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's also a little bit different from writing a story um, because my main occupation, obviously, is writing. I write my words. I don't have to formulate sentences coherently back to back to back to back to back to form a coherent argument as opposed to me just sitting at my computer and typing up a story and formulating uh, how I want the story to flow, how I want to convey this message, where I want to put this stat line or where I want to put this stat line. Is this quote better here? 
said by this person or is this quote better up here by this person and while you get that decision when you're writing because writing is a process and um, uh, something that you know maybe people don't really know is that most writers for your favorite football team still just like um, I, I don't know take your favorite or or your ESPN allocated sports writer for your favorite football team uh, industry kind of secret here is that most people actually start writing their stories as soon as, soon as the game start they have a pre-perceived narrative of how they see the game going and they pre and they start writing their story during the course of the game so by the time that the game ends all they need to go to all they need to do is go to the press conference and get some quotes and then that's the story. So if you're ever wondering, well, like, wow, this guy got out the story really fast. Is that he just that a gifted writer? It's like, no, he just started early. <laughs> a little bit of an industry secret there. Um, but as a, but writing is a process, and that's something that you don't really get when you're recording a show. It you, you, you do everything manually. You, you stumble over your words. You stutter, like I'm doing now. Um, you 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 have to formulate coherent sentences and can construct your argument on the fly and that's something that's a fly by the seat of your pants aspect of the show that I was not expecting at all but it's something that I actually really enjoy because I think when you're flying by the seat of your pants I mean I'm not talking about just being generally disorganized but when you're flying by the seat of your pants uh, sometimes it can lead you down to trains of thought that you never would have thought of previously if you're like just reading from a note sheet or you're writing a story and you're 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 going about the way that you're writing a story in one specific way and you don't open yourself up to to uh, thought that different types of thinking that maybe you would have been uh, not prone to if you're just writing a story. And also, you know, it, it allows people to respond to you and give ultimate uh, or other perspectives faster and more directly than it would when you're just writing a story. So I think that's most of everything that I've learned so far or relearned. A lot of this is kind of a reevaluation of how I perceive things before I started the show as to how I perceive things now. And most importantly, I mean, I think the progress that we've had with the show so far based on, you know, what I'm able to do, I'm just one man by myself in my apartment doing all of this by myself. And I think it's turned out really well so far. And even for a channel and, and for a, 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 a podcast that's one month old, I'm very proud of the product and I can only see myself getting better at this as time goes on um one of the things that i want to do is i want to start getting all of these in one take the the, the audio and, and the show is done in one segment but there are some days where i'm just butt tired and it takes me a couple of tries before i start going and i start getting into a rhythm out there will be like two or three times where i have like five minute segments where i'm just trying to get into and trying to get talking and it's not working so maybe that's one thing uh, that's one thing that i want to work on moving forwards but otherwise i i'm very happy with the progress i'm very happy with what i've been able to do and i'm very thankful that for those of you who have recognized the content so early on and have subscribed to the channel and who are listening uh to spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, every everywhere that the podcast is available and one thing that i definitely need to start doing is i need to stop Stop drinking coffee during the show because mm, it is absolutely delicious, but it completely wrecks my voice and it gets and it gets very lip smacky, as you can tell. So uh, we're we're already 11 minutes into the show. I wanted to start off with that just because it's the one month one month anniversary of the show and it feels like we've been doing this for a while now and it's only been a month. So I wanted to talk about that for a little bit before we got into the sports today. This NFL offseason is one and is predicted to be one of the most dynamic and interesting offseasons for the quarterback position, probably in the history of the NFL. There 
the quarterback position is one that sees a lot of subtle movement, but not dynamic movement of starting quarterbacks like has been predicted to be happening this offseason. And as we've seen so far, we're not even directly into the offseason. We're probably like three or four days into the offseason if you want to be technical about it because of when the Super Bowl ends. We're only four days into the offseason and there's already been trades, there's already been rumors, there's already been developing stories with all these quarterbacks across the NFL. So, you know, we, we there are obviously a couple of starters for uh, the quarterback position in the NFL for all 32 NFL teams are going to be determined and have already been determined. But I thought it would be a really interesting idea today to not talk about any of the trade rumors, to not really talk about any of the ideas and the fantasies about which quarterback is going to be going where. I thought it would be fun to just sit down go through every single team in the NFL and just give my prediction as to who's going to be that starting quarterback for that NFL team by the start of next season. Uh, And it doesn't mean who's going to be starting the most games for that football team. It's who is going to be the starter for week one of the 2021 season for every single quarterback in the NFL this next season. So I just wanted to go down through the list today, and uh, I really want to hear your reaction to this. I want to see your reaction to this. Do you agree? Do you have any idea or have a better idea about who may be starting where? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of subjective opinion on this, and that's what's really great. I hope this starts a conversation. I hope that you know people share their ideas about who should go where and what team should do what. Um, so with that being said... Let's just get into it. We'll start with the AFC East, and we're going to start off with a firecracker already. Uh, The Patriots. The Patriots' starting quarterback in 2021 will be Gardner Minshew. And a lot of people are forgetting the name Gardner Minshew. A lot of people are so hyper-focused on Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. There's so much focus on the big names that are already in the NFL that I feel like Gardner Minshew kind of gets thrown under the rug a little bit because the reality is is that Gardner Minshew is more than likely going to be looking for a job this offseason as well. Trevor Lawrence is the wide, widely pronounced number one pick in the draft. The Jaguars are going to be completely idiotic if they pass on Trevor Lawrence. Excuse me. The, the, the Jaguars are going to be completely idiotic if they pass on if they pass on Trevor Lawrence. He's a once-in-a-generational quarterback prospect. And the reality is, is that Gardner Minshew is going to be without a job probably this offseason. And I think that the Patriots, I think Cam Newton cannot play quarterback anymore. I think he's got confidence issues. He's got swagger issues. He is very much in his head and he can't really perform at the level that he was during his MVP season anymore. And until he can prove prove that, and he had his chance to prove it with the Patriots this offseason and he didn't do a good job of it. I think you have to move on from him as quarterback. And if there's one thing that the New England Patriots need, it's a leader. You take a look at what Tom Brady did uh, did in New England. Sure, the Super Bowls are impressive. Sure, the camaraderie with Belichick, or what was the camaraderie with Belichick, is all impressive. Tom Brady, as a quarterback, is impressive. He's the greatest of all time. But one of Brady's underrated attributes was how much of a leader he was. How much of a fantastic leader he was for that locker room. And while Gardner Minshew may not be the most blazing quarterback in the NFL, he's got some he's got some arm strength, he's got some accuracy issues, but if there's one thing that you can definitively say that Gardner Minshew is good at, it's being a good locker room leader. And where the Patriots, you know, they're going to have a lot of their defense back. 
they might be able to get some offensive weapons in the draft. They're not in that bad of a situation. I, I kind of loathe the idea that the Patriots are in a bad situation based on one season just because of who was at quarterback and who they were missing. Uh, I think if Gardner Minshew ends up going to New England, that'd be really good for the Patriots. It's not going to be his the long-term quarterback for the New England Patriots, but Belichick and a good quarterback leader in the locker room will go a long way. I think Gardner Minshew would be a great fit in New England. Uh, Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I think they're too in love with Tua to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. I would be honestly surprised if they make a trade for Deshaun Watson. I think Tua is going to be the starting quarterback. I think Fitzpatrick is going to stay in Miami. I think that quarterback dichotomy is going to be there for at least one more season in Miami, and I think Tua is going to be the starter week one. Uh, the Jets, Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets by uh, the start of the season next season. Uh, and this one's a really difficult one to call because Robert Sala, the new head coach for the New York Jets, hasn't really said definitively where he wants to go at quarterback, and neither should he. That's something that he should probably keep very close to the hip. Um, a lot of mock drafts have either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields going to the Jets at number two, and I don't know. I, there's just something in my gut that says the Jets are going to try to cater to Sam Darnold for at least one or two more years. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm putting that out there, and it, it's a very 50-50 coin toss for me, but I think that the Jets probably either want to trade back in the draft or they want to address some of their other needs. They should get somebody like a Devonta Smith or maybe a Panay Sewell at the offensive tackle position. I don't know that they're completely done with Sam Darnold, and I think that if I had to choose right now, with the lack of information, and if it's really a 50-50 coin flip, I think they'll probably stick with Darnold and they'll get some other pieces to help the rest of the franchise, maybe get a couple of more picks by trading down. And, you know, the Bills' starting quarterback is going to be Josh Allen. That's going to surprise absolutely nobody. He had an MVP caliber season. Uh, if, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't having the season that he was having, I think maybe Josh Allen would have been further into the MVP conversation. He had a great season. The AFC South, the Jaguars' quarterback is going to be Trevor Lawrence. They're going to take him number one overall in the draft. That's going to surprise nobody. That's a pretty easy one. I think everybody has the idea that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars this next season. The Houston Texans. The Houston Texans quarterback is going to be Josh McCown starting week one. Where Deshaun Watson goes, I have no idea, or maybe I do know, and I'm not telling you yet, but I honestly have no idea. I think if I had to hedge my bets right now, I think the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson are about to go for a long, bloody war. Just because Deshaun Watson isn't starting for the Texans doesn't mean that he's going to be starting for another NFL team this season. I kind of have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans uh, with, with Cal McNair... They're going to be battling one another for an entire season, and it's going to end a lot like the Le'Veon Bell Steelers situations where uh, Deshaun Watson's going to hold out, try and get out of it, um, or or maybe he's going to have to grudge through another season before the Houston Texans finally trade him, or maybe he gets traded by the deadline. I don't know. I just, first, I just feel like even if Deshaun Watson stays on the Texans, he's not going to be their starting quarterback. There's something that's going to be – he's either going to hold out, he's, there, he's either going to debate it, um, or he's just not going to participate. I, I I think Josh McCown would probably be out of the two quarterbacks left on the Texas roster besides uh, Deshaun Watson. It's AJ McCarron and Josh McCown. I'd take Josh McCown as the starting quarterback. Titans starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Not really a surprise here. Ryan Tannehill has had two great seasons under the Titans uh, center as a QB. He will continue to have another good season this next season. Uh, the Colts' new starting quarterback will be 
Dak Prescott. I think there's a very good chance that the Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott. I think Jerry Jones is going to take a look at the injury. And despite what he said publicly, despite, you know, all the drama revolving around the, the Cowboys when it comes to leaving Dak out of the uh, 2020 promotional package. I don't necessarily think that there that really has anything to do with it. I think people are making up a story there. But regardless of that, I think there's a very good chance that the that the Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott and he ends up in a Colts uniform. And that's a really nice combination that I would be happy to see. The Colts have the money to pray, to, to pay Prescott. They have about, I don't know, $35 million in cap space. I don't know exactly how much. Um, Colts have a lot of cap space. Dak Prescott would be a good quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck might return as well, but if I had to hedge bets, I think Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback for the Colts next season. That would be an interesting one. That's good. That's more of a crystal ball prediction than anything else. AFC West, Broncos, Drew Luck. He's going to get his probably his final season to prove that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL for the Broncos. I know, I know John Elway really likes Drew Luck or Drew Locke. I don't know whether he can really be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he has this last season to prove it. Raiders, Derek Carr, very similar to Drew Locke in the situation. He has about one more season with John Gruden before the Raiders might want to consider moving on from Derek Carr. I think they are already considering moving on from Derek Carr, but I don't think that they're really in the market to find anybody better than Derek Carr at this point. So Derek Carr is going to be starting in the AFC West. Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Look, there's no way that that Patrick Mahomes is not the starting quarterback for the Chiefs for at least the next 15 years. That's an incredibly easy one. Chargers, Justin Herbert, after having the offensive play rookie, the offensive rookie um, of the year, after having a fantastic season, he is going to be out of all the quarterbacks that we've seen from last year's draft. He's the one that looks the most promising. He should be at the helms for the helm for the Chargers for a long time. AFC North. Uh, this one we can just fly through. Everything is as expected. The Browns, Baker Mayfield, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger will restructure his contract and return for one final season for the Steelers. Bengals, Joe Burrow. I don't actually, you know, I don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be healthy enough in time to start for the Bengals. I assume he will be, but um, that is something that we should watch as well. The NFC East, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I already said that I think that there's a very good chance that the Dallas Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott, so that would leave the starting quarterback for the Cowboys being Andy Dalton. Um, that's not something that I think Cowboys would be very thrilled about. I think they probably don't want Andy Dalton at quarterback, but that's probably the quarterback that they're going to have at the helm because I don't think Jerry wants to pay Dak, and I don't think that Dak Prescott really wants to play in Dallas anymore. I wouldn't want to play in Dallas, especially with how the rest of the team uh, fell apart after I as Dak Prescott went down with the injury. Uh, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Look, a lot of news about the Eagles possibly trying to trade Carson Wentz over the next couple of days. It, it was rumored to be happening very soon. It might be happening right now. Uh, I predicted on Tuesday's show that, hey, there a trade might happen on Tuesday, and here we are two days later and nothing's happened. But I think there's a very good chance that the Eagles trade Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles this upcoming season. Washington, Alex Smith. Uh, Taylor Heineke actually just got paid two years, 15 million, if I remember correctly. That's about, or or maybe two years, 10 million, something along those lines. Uh, Taylor Heineke just got paid uh, by the Washington football team, so that may impact where they go with the first round in the draft. I already did a front office frenzy on the Washington football team, and I said they should draft Mac Jones in the first round. 
But regardless of what they do, I think Alex Smith is probably the starting quarterback for the Washington football team this season. It makes sense. He's their most consistent quarterback at the moment. Taylor Heineke played great in the playoffs, but he hasn't shown enough consistency over the course of multiple games to earn that starting spot just yet. And even if they draft a rookie in the first round, that rookie is probably going to have to sit behind Alex Smith. Alex Smith is the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. Uh, the Giants and Daniel Giants, uh, their quarterback is going to be Daniel Jones. Very similar to Derek Carr and Drew Locke, Daniel Jones is starting to get, he's in his third year at this point. He is going to need to start proving things. He's going to need to start playing like the pick that the Giants expected him to be. I think the fans are absolutely right on this one. I don't really like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. He's okay, but he's not good at where the Giants drafted him to be. This is his, probably his last or second to last season before the Giants probably want to move on from Daniel Jones if he can't produce. Uh, Atlanta, Matt Ryan is going to be the starting quarterback even if they take a quarterback in the first round. I think they'll, he'll ha probably play like five or six games before being replaced in the season, but as it comes to week one, Matt Ryan is going to be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Saints, Jameis Winston. A lot of people probably don't want to hear me say that. They probably don't want Jameis Winston to be the starting quarterback. But look, the Saints are $82 million in the, uh, in the, in the hole when it comes to cap space. They have a lot of money to rearrange. Jameis Winston is a cheap quarterback on a proven deal. He had signed a one-year deal, one deal last year. You should sign him to another proven deal this year. He hasn't played enough to be able to prove, or, or he hasn't played enough, rather, to be able to ask for any more money than that and if he does that that's just Jameis being greedy I think Jameis Winston is probably going to be the same starting quarterback this next season Buccaneers Tom Brady that's another easy one but we're kind of going long on the segment so I'm going to speed up a little bit Panthers Panthers starting quarterback is going to be Justin Fields I think the Panthers draft Justin Fields at number eight or they trade up to get him at either two or three I think that I think Justin Fields would be a great spot um, or I think the Panthers would be a great spot for Justin Fields I feel like that's a really good combination Justin Fields and Christian McCaffrey in the backfield with some nice offensive weapons that sounds really good to me I think he'll probably be the starting quarterback I think he'll probably beat out Teddy Bridgewater in a QB battle in practice and Justin Fields is going to be one of the few starting quarterbacks actually to actually start week one along with uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, NFC West Seahawks uh, Russell Wilson another easy one 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo I think the 49ers are going to shop around Garoppolo but at the end of the day he's going to stay and start for the 49ers this next season the Rams uh, Matthew Stafford that one we've already kind of foreseen or that's already happened with the trade with Jared Goff with the Lions Cardinals Kyler Murray he's going to have probably a much better season than he had this last season I think Kyler Murray is going to be posed for a breakout year and wrapping everything up so we can finally wrap the segment up. NFC North, Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Look, as much as the media wants to overhype things, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. He's going to stay with the Packers for at least another two years. Lions, Jared Goff. He got just got traded there. He is probably a shoe in to start at this point. Vikings, Kirk Cousins, very overpaid, as we talked about on Tuesday, but he had a very good season for the Vikings. There's no reason for him not to be starting or for him to have any real competition. And the Bears starting quarterback is going to be Carson Wentz. That is just my best prediction on that. I don't think that the Colts are... I mean, the Colts are interested in Wentz, but I think they probably want to wait until somebody like Dak Prescott gets on the market. I think that the Carson Wentz is going to go to the Bears, and I think the Bears are probably going to have a rough go of it with Carson Wentz, but the Bears have been searching for a quarterback forever, and I think that Carson Wentz is going to be that next name in the fold of Bears quarterbacks that they try and make work but don't work out. Where does Mitchell Trubisky go? I've got no idea. I've got no idea at this point. 
maybe maybe he goes to Houston. Maybe he gets traded for Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Um, but that is all 32 NFL teams and who their starting quarterback would be. Uh, a prediction of who that starting quarterback will be. Let me know what you think in the comment section uh, below. And uh, I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your ideas and who you think is going where. Speaking of Russell Wilson, we just we just briefly mentioned Russell Wilson in that last segment, trying to rush through all 32 NFL teams. Uh, there was a, a kind of a, I want to say kind of a story, because was, this was a bit of a non-story for me, about Russell Wilson, you know, in an interview saying that he wants more say in front office decisions, and he's tired of getting hit. Uh, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league this season, and I think he was in the top three last season as well. He's been sacked over 400 times in his career, which is in, which is entirely too many. Even for, you know, Russell Wilson, who is a pretty mobile quarterback, that seems like a lot. And so Russell, Russell Wilson was doing the interview. He was talking about how he wanted some more protection and... There was some underlying tone of him wanting to ask for more control or more say in what the franchise is doing on the football field. And, you know, the, Russell Wilson isn't the first person to say something along the lines of that this season. And it all really comes back to Deshaun Watson. And just Deshaun Watson is artificially creating an NBA-esque Me Too movement in the NFL a, a new wave of a Me Too movement. Um, and I, there's no really other better way than I can describe it than that. I think players look around the league and they see what's happening to Deshaun Watson in Houston and it's inspiring them to have their voices heard as well. Because let's get something straight. Like, regardless of where you think Deshaun Watson is going to go, regardless of what you think of the situation, what you think of Cal McNair as an owner, what do you think of, what do you think of the team president? I forget his name. He just actually resigned last night. Whatever you think about the team, whatever you think about the owner, whatever you think about the situation as a whole in Houston, most people can agree that Deshaun Watson is being treated absolutely horribly in this, and he has every right to want out of his contract. And so we as fans can artificially look at that and agree with Deshaun Watson and want the best for him. And I think other players around the league are starting to take notice of that and are starting to speak up as well with how little say they have with the direction of the franchise. And Russell Wilson is a great example of that. And now you heard Jared Goff, you know, in his, in his introductory press conference with the lions say something along the lines of it's great to have a team that actually values me. And I think with what we were talking about with, with the NFL in terms of the QB carousel that's going on right now with how many quarterbacks can potentially be switching teams. It kind of, it, it, it also, it begs the question at what point do quarterbacks probably the most important position on the football field. At what point do they get say in the direction of their franchise? At what point does an organization say, okay, you've passed the litmus test. Now you, we can bring you into the room and see like where you want to go forward. Where is that line? Is it three seasons? Is it a couple of playoff appearances? Is it an MVP caliber season? Like where does that line where, where is that line in the sand, and is that line shifting? I think really good fundamental questions that we should be asking, because as I said, there, when, there is no league like the NBA when it comes to player power, but I think what we see developing, especially with what's happening in Houston with Deshaun Watson, is this new wave of a Me Too movement with players 
asking for more power and more say in the in the decisions of the franchise. Something that up until you know maybe a couple of seasons ago really was never a, a thing in the NFL. And you know to say that oh Russell Wilson is unhappy in Seattle, he's going to ask for a trade. I think that's absolutely stupid. I think Russell Wilson is probably pretty pleased in Seattle considering he's you know won a Super Bowl, been to two, he's been a perennial playoff contender. I think he's probably just fine. But regardless, if if somebody like Russell Wilson is feeling the need to ask more or need to kind of hint and and suggests that he wants more say in the franchise's decisions. And he's won a Super Bowl. You know, like, where is that line? And obviously that line is going to be different for each different owner in the NFL. But it's really interesting as to where that line is and if the line is moving. Because of this new Me Too movement with Deshaun Watson. I... I I don't know if I should call it a Me Too movement because obviously the connotation of what the Me Too movement actually is in in pop culture is something a lot more sinister and something a lot more important than just playing a football game. But to see all these quarterbacks, you know, come out and say, you know, hey, look, I've, I've done really well for you. I feel like I should be able to get more power and more say in the franchise's decisions. It's it's kind of an interesting developing trait this offseason because of what's transpiring in Houston, and I wonder if that is going to start duplicating and snowballing as seasons go on, and the NFL starts having players having a lot more power in the decisions of the franchise, like we're seeing in the NBA. Like, I wonder when we'll get the day when there's going to be a James Harden situation in which the superstar has gotten everything that he could ever desire. He's been treated well by the franchise, but purely by the motivation to win, he's going to force himself out of that situation. I, I can't think of a situation that has ever been like a James Harden situation in the NFL so far. And you could say, well, maybe that's happening right now, but it's like, yeah, but Deshaun Watson has been treated horribly by the Texans and he has a right to go out. And that gives him the power over the Texans. It's not the fact that the Texans have given Deshaun everything that he can to win and he still wants to move out. It's it's the fact that they've given him nothing and he wants to move out. So I, I wonder when we'll get to the point or if we'll get to the point where there's a player or a quarterback that has that much power in the NFL to where he's had, he's gotten everything that he's needed. The franchise has been compliant with his demands or his his askings and, or his desires and he still has the power to go up and leave the franchise i wonder if this is the grassroots for something like that because right now again with the with you know stuff like deshaun and and jared and russell wilson it, it's very innocent right now it's very like yeah it's like it's like um you know smart kid raises his hand in class and and you know, he gets the answer right, and everybody's like, oh, I, I I, got that answer too, kind of thing. Everybody's slowly raising their hands and saying, oh, I see what's going on over there, and I feel the same way, and I feel like I should say something about it. A really interesting development, I think, with that in the NFL. And, you know, speaking of the NBA, like we were just talking about a little bit, uh, something developed over the past week in the NBA that I felt was very interesting and that needed to be addressed a little bit. News had come out earlier this week that uh, Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks had stopped playing the national anthem at Dallas Maverick games. 
Report came out, I believe, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning-ish. And the report was that the Dallas Mavericks have not played the national anthem since the start of the season. Uh, They didn't play it in the first preseason game, and they have not played it. The NBA basically came out and said, no, every single team needs to be playing the national anthem during the games. And that's kind of, it was kind of a reaction to what Mark Cuban had said, saying that they're not playing the national anthem to kind of get Adam Silver in the NBA to kind of come out and reinforce that rule. And there, I need to be careful with this topic because this topic is, it's a gas lighter. It is drenched with lighter fluid because you know, regardless of what you say, there's always going to be a side that's angry with you. There's always going to be somebody that you end up pissing off. And I hate covering topics like this for that reason, because it's such a, it's such a volatile topic. And even if something doesn't necessarily align with your beliefs, morality comes into play and human decency comes into play to where you can take a look at the situation and you say, I understand why you're feeling this way and I should sympathize with you and we should find some kind of compromise. I don't necessarily have a problem with what Mark Cuban did. Uh, there, I think context is important. You know, if, 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 since there's no fans in the NBA this season or fans are starting to become more of a, a, a factor in the NBA, the more that more teams allow fans to come back into the, the, uh, the stadium and the arena. If, if you're not playing the national anthem just to speed up the course of the game, I mean, it's not, it's not like the national anthem is all that long. It's about, what, a minute, a minute and 30 seconds. But regardless, if, if, you're, if you're not playing the national anthem to just get the game on, like, that's fine. I don't think anybody has any qualms about that. But when it starts becoming a civil just uh, a civil rights issue and a and a social injustice issue, that's where people get really testy. And I really want to be careful with my words here. There, there's the saying that that staying out of it is really aiding something. I don't I don't necessarily know how to word it other than that. Or, or silence is compliance or something like that. I. Essentially, what I'm getting at is, in, in situations like this, if you're quiet about something and you're not speaking up about something, people will have the tendency to say, well, you're aiding this because you're not speaking out against it. Even if you just genuinely don't want to do with it, regardless of your personal beliefs. And I would agree with people when they say that the sci- silence is compliance thing is bad. Especially when it comes to something like civil rights and social injustice. If you're not speaking up... Regardless of your beliefs, if you're not speaking up for the morality and the rights of people, that's something that I personally disagree with. I'll say, no, look, these are people too. They need rights. And that's just my personal politics. That's my personal beliefs. But in this specific case, I think going down the middle is exactly the way that it should happen. Because as I said at the beginning of the segment, no matter what you do, somebody is going to be pissed off. But at the end of the day, all anybody ever wants is the right to do what they want and what they believe freely. And that's a core principle of America. And it sucks because I wish that politics weren't involved in sports like this. But they are and they'll probably continue to be. But in this specific situation, when it comes to not playing the national anthem, there are going to be people who say, look... It's a standing tradition in our country to play the national anthem during these games. We need to play it, and we need to respect and salute our country. 
love our country. And there's also people that say, look, I don't like what that flag is standing for right now. I may love the country, but I don't like the what's going on in the country, and I'm going to protest. And again, no matter what side you lean on and no matter what decision Mark Cuban and the NBA makes, somebody is going to be pissed off. So when somebody is going to be pissed off, the best thing that you can do that you can do in the situation is tote the line. And in this specific case, staying neutral is the best thing that you can do. Even if people are going to say, look, staying neutral is supporting one side because you're not supporting, you know, civil rights or, or morality or yada, yada, whatever anybody wants to say. Toting the line allows everybody to support what they believe in. Allow the national anthem during the games, but also don't restrict players from kneeling, holding up a fist, supporting Black Lives Matter. Don't restrict them from doing the protesting and the things that they want to do to support their beliefs. I don't I don't think there's any necessarily any necessary reason to not play the national anthem. And it's interesting that Mark Cuban went on TV and said, look, we're getting feedback from our fans and they're saying that they don't want the national anthem being played during the games. I, I don't necessarily think that's, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's the, the decisions of the fans should affect something like this. Again, walk the. Uh, it's it sucks to be neutral in the situation, but again, walking the line is the best thing that anybody could do, because when you're walking the line and you're staying neutral and you're allowing both parties to have their say, that's the way that you end up having both sides not being completely pissed off at you, because. Especially with somebody like Mark Cuban, who I've I've praised on the show at times for his compassion towards his fans, his franchise, and his his players. But obviously, there's some um, other parts to him that I disagree with, uh, specifically who he decides to trade with, and that's pretty much all I'll ever say about that. But regard regardless, you know. You're going to have, I guess what I'm trying to say is you're going to have enemies if you try and and go any which way on the scale. It's it's really best in this situation to try and walk the line the best you can so that you don't end up pissing anybody off unnecessarily so. And I think that's a lesson to be learned here. I'm tired of people gaslighting. Um, I'm, I'm tired of, of somebody trying to cater to one side, trying to... Uh, preach a, a corporate message or the media trying to project a certain message. Look, just let everybody do what they want to like. Okay. That's a little dangerous. Let everybody support their, their beliefs and their rights the way that they want to. If people are Patriot are, if people are Patriots and they want to listen to the national anthem during games, let the national anthem being played during games. But if, if players specifically black players want to kneel protest hold their fist up let them that is their right that is their way to send a message about social injustice in this country and again walking the line is how you find at least some sort of equilibrium so you don't piss anybody off and then and of course you don't get outside noise saying well mark cuban trades with china even after this and this and this you, you don't, you just, you don't want to open that door. You don't want to open that door to allow comparisons of hypocrisy and, and, and accusations of catering to one person over another. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. And the, uh, the last thing before we wrap up the show today, 
wanted to retouch on the Chad Wheeler topic, which again was one of the more successful uh, videos on the channel. Uh, Leah Taylor, the ex-girlfriend of Chad Wheeler, uh, came out with an interview this week, and she said she's unsure whether the alleged assault by her uh, former boyfriend, Chad Wheeler, was related to his mental health. And if you remember my stance in that video, you remember me basically saying, look, mental health is it, is not an excuse in this situation when Chad Wheeler was not on his medication. Once he was off his medication, he forfeited all the excuses that he would have had in this situation. If he was on his medication and this man, this manic episode happened, then the medication just failed him. It doesn't change the gruesome details of the situation, but at least you could say, hey, he was on his medication and it failed him. But the the way that, you know, this situation has unfolded and more details have come out, it, it, it just further cements my position of how unsettling it all is. Uh, he... He pleaded not guilty last week to criminal charges of first-degree domestic violence assault and uh, domestic violence unlawful imprisonment. Uh, he said, and, and of course he reiterated that the events transpired from a manic episode. The girlfriend was being interviewed by CBS this morning, and in the interview she basically... She she basically said, I don't know if the assault was was attributed to his mental health or not. She said, he went and ate dinner after doing this to me. He didn't take the same approach with the cop as he did with me. And again, where does the manic episode end? Or it wasn't a manic episode at all. Regardless, I still think it's attempted murder. Regardless, I think that Chad Wheeler should be found guilty and locked up for however many years. But again, this further illustrates, I guess... And I'm, I'm reaffirming my stance on the situation that mental health should not be a cop out for this exact reason. The, the only reason that any of this is in doubt is because of a mental illness and bipolar disorder. And it really shouldn't be because of him not taking his meds. He forfeits all excuse because he took he, he was not taking his medicine. And for what should be a, a Picture, uh, picture clear, black and white issue. It's becoming very gray because of mental health. And I really just hope that it, I, I hope down in my heart that this all gets resolved in a manner that is beneficial to everybody. Um, and by beneficial to everybody, I mean Wheeler gets put in prison for what he's done. And uh, this this woman, Miss Taylor, gets to, to heal from her situation. Um, but I don't, I don't know how you could ever heal from a, 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 an event like that. Regardless, I, I just thought that was an interesting little detail that had developed about the story. I don't expect that to be big news or anything. I just think that this the information that came out, I guess, more or less, is just reaffirming the position that I was taking at the time where I said, look, this is attempted murder. And in any other circumstance, it would be viewed as attempted murder if not for this one specific circumstance, which shouldn't even have any ground because of his lack of, of authority in the situation, his lack of, of um, responsibility in the situation. So on that note, we'll end the show for today. I've got some other things to do. I've got some work to do elsewhere. So thank you so much for listening. It's been a great first month of the show, everybody. Thank you so much, as always, for your continued support. 
and I will see you all probably on Saturday with the next episode of the podcast. So on behalf of me, you're listening to the Hard Headed Sports Podcast, episode number 16, hosted by Nick Ryan. I will see you all another day. Stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.